Christians have the obligation to care about justice. And a major component, uh, maybe the major component about justice is to try is trying to right wrongs, even physical material material wrongs. So we cannot, I cannot atone for anybody's sin. I can't even atone for my own sin. But what I could do is if something that has been set up unjustly, I can work and act and fight for that system, if this is a, quote, systemic issue, to be changed so that there's less injustice for those people, specifically here for people of color. Welcome to Every Square Inch, a podcast discussing theology, culture, and the Christian life for every believer. I'm Ryan Welsh. I'm here with Gabe Davis. Gabe, how's it going? Good, good, good. Another rainy day in June. (laughs) <laughs> the joy of the Pacific Northwest. Depressing. It is yuck outside. Depressing day today. But we're going to talk about something that is not depressing. No, this is a good topic. Uh, we are going to do episode number two of our Why It Matters uh, series. We're not doing them in order. The first one we did was Why It Matters Anthropology. That was a few weeks back. We're going to keep going through different Why It Matters topics. So today we're going to do our second one, and it is Why It Matters Worldview. So... I guess I'll kick it to you, Gabe. What is world? What is that? What's worldview? Yeah, I mean, and we're a worldview is. There's different ways you could define this, I guess, but we're specifically going to be talking about what is a Christian worldview. And um, you know, sometimes if if you're familiar with apologetics or or you've thought along those lines, then you may think of multiple different worldviews. So you may say the um, you know the naturalist worldview and the Christian worldview and the Buddhist worldview and okay, but um, what we're going to be talking about today is really going off of Peter Jones' idea that there really are only two worldviews. There is a worldview which sees uh, everything as kind of one big blob. So you may have that's the very technical term, but you may, you may have um, higher beings and lower beings in that blob, but essentially everything is a part of the same uh, world, the same sphere of existence, okay? So um, God may be like the, the highest being in that worldview, or in that existence, and human beings may be, you know, the little nothings, but we're still all a part of that same thing. The other is the Christian worldview, which is to say that there is a creator and he is in his own existence being and everything else. He is transcendent. And then there are creatures and that is everything else. And so uh, that sometimes, right, Peter Jones calls it oneism, where everything is uh, one. There's one, uh, there's no creature creator distinction or twoism, which is the Christian worldview, that there is actually creatures and there are there is a creator. And so uh, we're going to be talking about what is a Christian worldview. And, and the, I guess the other way to talk about it is it's really the way in which a Christian learns to think and apply all of the Bible and all of the way the Bible talks about us as human beings, and all the way that the Bible talks about God um, to all of life. Christian worldview encompasses all of life. There's not an area of life in which the Christian worldview does not address, cover, etc. So, yeah. Anything you want to add to that? That's how I talk about it for now. <laughs> yeah, I mean that. Yeah, it's a lot. I don't know. I don't know at this point with most of our listeners have any idea what we even mean by this because we have to like unpack <laughs> start it giving so much some more. examples. 
first, yeah, before we go deeper into it, maybe yeah. this is a good, a good spot to go next. And that is just without giving examples, because we'll do that mm-hmm. at the end. Why does a worldview matter? Yeah. Because that's is why it matters, right? Okay, so why does it matter? Um, it's almost hard to give an ex- a, a why it matters without giving an example, but I'm gonna I'm gonna luck. try. It's okay. not gonna be. You're right. Examples are easier, but I don't want to give away the yeah, the yeah. End, right. So okay, everything we do. The, the, okay, so the way the way that we view the world d- determines every decision we make and everything that we think. Right. So, if my worldview, I mean, you even the saying, uh, oh, he has rose colored glasses. Yeah. Okay. Well, that that's kind of sort of a funny way of saying a worldview where. Mm-hmm. Oh, he or she sees the world through a different lens than I do. That's not really a worldview, but that's a good example of a worldview. And so you mentioned Peter Jones, oneism, twoism. Um, he obviously, like you said, simplifies worldview, and that's why it's so great because he simplifies it. But there's there's hundreds, thousands of books written written on worldview. Usually, people don't put them into two two categories. Yeah. Peter Jones doesn't. We agree with him. But um, everything. So, if if some major event in human history happened, your worldview will dictate why you thought that happened, how it possibly could have happened, how you can know what happened, and what you should do about it. All that comes from your world worldview. And so, I think oftentimes we think of. Uh, the however many billion people on earth, there's six or seven billion people on earth right now. We think of like all, there's all of these people and they all have these really unique belief systems and they all vary a lot. And, and really when it comes down to it, there's not that many different worldviews, maybe even just two. Right. And so although there's different, maybe specifics, um, really people see the world in one of two ways, really. Mm-hmm. Okay. And so anyways, so th- that's why it matters because it affects everything we do. Yeah, and it affects, oh, I mean, something from its basic, I'm going to give a little bit of an example, not go too far into it, but, uh, you know, when you watch the uh, the evening news, you know, if you're watching a person that is communicating to you uh, truth, right, that's what they're purporting to do here, this is truth, um, and yet the Christian worldview says that, that they are uh, sinners by nature and choice, that they are uh, by nature deceived that they are uh, therefore they're they are liars that there is deceit and wickedness in present in their heart that there is um no holy spirit that is directing them and guiding them towards truth that they're not uh, subject to any objective truth so therefore when they promise to be purporting truth as a christian you can view that with uh, a different filter because not that that they can't uh, tell you something that happened but we're all we're also interpreting creatures so we're interpreting all the time we never we we are not just giving bare facts and so when when they are making interpretations and communicating those interpretations to you um, the Christian worldview lets you say okay hold on let me remember that they are communicating something from a worldview that is not necessarily a Christian worldview and I can therefore evaluate it in light of that, yeah. right? Yeah. There's something you mentioned the news. Yeah. There is, uh, I think, just this last week, uh, Tucker Carlson on Fox News. Yeah. And when I say that, half of our half of our listeners go, "Yes, Fox News." <laughs> and the other half have shut us off. Just I don't mind Fox that. News. I just don't like Tucker Carlson. And you don't like Tucker? Yeah, yeah that's yeah. true. Um, which is funny that on on <laughs> like out of a lot of the people on yeah. that station, Tucker's one that bugs you. That's interesting. <laughs> um, but whatever. Uh, so. But what I'm about to say is actually very critical of Tucker. Oh, so his, right, wor- like his worldview yeah. was, he said something, he was talking oh, about yeah, the, yeah. the race stuff. About, and yeah. essentially what he said is, no one is born sinful. 
Yeah. No one is born with blame on them already. And what he was trying to talk about is no one is born being guilty of racism. It was this whole race, right. racial unrest. But what he said was so, I mean, the worldview is an unbiblical Yeah, the little worldview. bottom, the ticker or whatever <clears throat> it's yeah. called. Yeah. It was an unbiblical worldview completely. Yeah. Okay. So let me do this. Uh, one more, one more stab at, uh, at getting undergirding this. I think it's important. And this comes from a book. I'm stealing this from, uh, I think it's James Sire. Isn't James Sire that wrote the book, Naming the Elephant? I don't remember. I think it's Sire. Let's go with Sire. Riley will fact check it as I'm talking about this. He's our fact checker. So I think it's James Sire naming the elephant. It's a whole book on worldview. And although I do like James Sire, he also wrote The Universe Next Door and stuff like that. Um, It's James Sire. Okay, thanks. Uh, So the book's fine, I guess. It's not my favorite book in the world, Mm -hmm. but I love how it starts. Okay, so the name of the book is Naming the Elephant. Okay, and the reason why it's called that is because he starts out the book with this, I think it's an old, um, like, Eastern Indian proverb, and it goes like this: uh, There's a kid who's learning the globe, like in school, mm-hmm. and so he's learning more about it. And then he asks his dad at home, "Hey, dad, so I'm learning about the globe, learning about all the countries, but who, what holds the globe up?" Because he's starting to think about it. Like the globe's, just, yeah. there's no, it's just a, it's a sphere. Like what's holding it up? And so the dad's like, "Oh, dang, I don't know. Like, what do I tell him?" So the dad's like, "A uh, camel." A camel holds the globe up, which is a stupid, right? But he thought that will shut him up for a mm-hmm. while. The next day, his son goes up, go, comes up and goes, okay, the camel's holding up the globe, but who's holding up the camel? Smart kid, right? Smart kid. And then the dad goes, dang it, um, <laughs> kangaroo. Kangaroo's holding up the camel. Who's holding up the globe? And so the kid, obviously smart, comes again, and he's like, okay, I got another question. I, 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 I don't get it. Who's holding up the kangaroo? Who's holding up the camel? Who's holding up the world? And so the dad's not going to freak out. And he's like, okay, what's the biggest animal I can think of? Elephant. The elephant is holding it up. Elephant's holding up the kangaroo who's holding up the camel who's holding up the globe. And then, so the kid's like, oh, biggest, yeah, biggest animal, totally. It makes sense. Comes back the next day and says, dad, who's holding up the, the elephant? And the dad's like, this is so annoying. The dad goes, it's elephant all the way down. Hmm. Okay. Down to where? I don't know. But yeah. that's, that's how it starts. Yeah. The whole point is how we answer that question is a worldview question. What is the first thing? Right. Right. What is the first thing? So if you're a Christian, what you think the first thing is, is very different than if you're not a Christian. Okay. So worldview is incredibly important. So, um, here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to, I'm going to cut me off either of you if this becomes too boring or too long, but I, I think it's important. So Gabe and I, we've talked for the last few years and I was never a big philosophy guy. I thought philosophy was annoying. Uh, mostly what I meant was the philosophical debates about things you couldn't actually yeah. answer. But then when I started school again and I started studying philosophy, there's parts of it I really started to enjoy. Um, I think that the part of theology that I enjoy most, or I said theology, part of philosophy, philosophy that I enjoy yeah. most is the part that has to do with this worldview stuff. Okay. So here's my stab at not trying to be, trying to not be boring, although it's kind of a boring subject. Um, there's three areas of philosophy. And most people have heard of some of these words, right? Metaphysics, kind of a big word. Epistemology, big word. And ethics, not a big word, okay? Those are the three fields of ethics. <sighs> I can't talk. Three fields of philosophy, okay? <laughs> yeah. he, here's what these are. And, and, and the reason I bring this up is for all of human history, people have been trying to answer these questions that come from these three categories. And the Christian worldview is an answer to all three categories. That's why I'm going here. Okay. So the Christian worldview literally is a philosophy. We as Christians would say it is the correct philosophy. It's the Mm -hmm. only correct philosophy, but it is a philosophy in that it answers philosophical questions. Okay. So metaphysics, metaphysics is essentially saying this, what is here and why is it here? That's a metaphysics question. Okay. So if I said to you, Gabe, um, what is the world made of? 
that's a metaphysics question. Yeah, is it just matter or what is yeah. it? Mm-hmm. Yeah, what is it? And you could go, well, you know, there's land and there's water and there's uh, there's oxygen and there's an atmosphere. You're answering a metaphysical, like like what's here? What is it? Okay. Now the next part, epistemology. That that's the that maybe maybe some people argue on this. Maybe a more foundational question, which is how do we know what we know? Epistemology is a study of knowledge. So if I said, what is the world made of? And you said, what? What is it made of? Yeah, yeah. what's the world made of? Well, just give me an answer, even yeah, if it's wrong. Matter. Matter. You could have said cheese. It doesn't matter. Okay? Sure. Okay. And then I say, well, how do you know that? Now we're in epistemology. Right. Now you need to say like, well, this is how I came to that conclusion. Okay. And then the third one is ethics. We know what that is. What's right and wrong? What's good and bad? Okay. Therefore, as a result of all of that. <laughs> exactly. What so, should you do? Yeah. Right? So this is essentially philosophy. This is, goes back to, to Plato, Aristotle, Socrates. These are the questions they're trying to answer. Okay. The Christian worldview answers those three questions in a biblical way. And in a, a distinctive way, we a should say. A distinctive right? way, yeah. right? Mm-hmm. And so do we need to know these big words? No, not at all. But I think it's interesting to say, when we're talking about a Christian worldview, this whole study, this whole endeavor has been tried since the beginning of time without the Bible. And yet the Bible gives us the framework we need to answer all three of these questions. What is here and why is it here? How do we know? And what's good, bad, right, and wrong? How should we live because of it? The Bible gives us all those things. Yeah, totally. And and uh, I, it's interesting because I think for a lot of Christians, what happens is they unintentionally make a sharp divide between the sacred and the secular. So they learn about, okay, what does it mean to be a Christian? Okay, I need to repent of my sin. I need to trust in Christ. Okay, I go to church. And then... Uh, you know, we talk about this in different ways, right? They they maybe go to church and we might say, oh, you're just a Sunday-only Christian, okay? And so then what people can think the answer to that is, well, I need to go to church more often there, therefore. So I go to church on Sunday, and then I'm a part of my Bible study on Tuesday, and then on Wednesday I'm a part of my, you know, uh, youth group, and I serve in that, and then on uh, Friday there's a ladies' Bible study, you know, or whatever, right? And so people go through these different things, and they think that, therefore, I'm being a Christian, and I'm I'm... Uh, acting like a Christian because I'm doing more Christian things, okay? Um, I'm not, nothing's wrong with any of that, but here's the problem, is you can still operate with a, this sacred-secular divide, and you can sort of think of there's things in the church, and then there's things outside of the church. So I talk about this with counseling, uh, for example, because people will think about going to see a counselor, a therapist, whatever, sort of like going to see a a non-Christian car mechanic. Like, what does it matter, right? Like, a mechanic can fix your car, whether they're a Buddhist, an atheist, a Christian, whatever. It doesn't matter. Um, And so they kind of think about counseling in that same way, right? But if you start to go, no, 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 hold on. Like, that person is going to be communicating to you what they believe is healthy, what they think is truth, what they think is um, is good for your life, what they what they consider to be wisdom. They're going to be helping you think about your life in a way to to grow as a person. Okay, let's say, and and depending on what they are appealing to, that those are truth claims that they're making, right? So the the, the sacred secular divide is a bit of a problem because it it has Christians think Christianly, so to speak, when they're when they're in the church, and then just kind of. I don't know. What would you call that? Just kind of grab bag when they're outside of the church. It's just kind of like potpourri. Yeah. Potpourri. Yeah. There you go. And just kind of go, well, I, you know what, but a Christian worldview says, no, 
what it looks like to live as a Christian is to progressively grow in your understanding of how you think as a Christian about all of life and then to actually apply and put that into practice. And you already said this, but the starting place with that is the creator creature distinction. That's probably, that's the starting place, right? But it actually goes even, it goes further than that. What is our concept of sin? What is our concept of forgiveness? What's our concept of repentance? Uh, What do we believe about the nature of reality? Right? Is it only physical or is it also spiritual? Mm-hmm. Um, what do we believe about people? What do we, are, all of those things. How are we to treat one another? So the Christian worldview is one that is meant to be uh, it, sort of permeate all of life, not just within the realm of the church with other Christians and not just uh, an apologetic method either, although it certainly has overlap with that. Yeah, I mean, from a secular point of view, like you mentioned, the secular sacred divide, from a secular point of view, and this goes throughout, you know, back to the ancient philosophers, when you answer the, que- the metaphysics questions, like what, so what is reality? That's, that's what metaphysics is. Okay, what is reality? Okay, so like if I were, if, if Riley is uh, um, an ancient philosopher, and if you're an, if Gabe, you're an ancient philosopher, and I asked Riley, and this is historically accurate, not Riley, but somebody that Riley's <laughs> representing, um, Riley could be a, um, like a materialist, right? Right who believes, well, reality is that which we can see, touch, feel, hear. There's nothing else. It's just, it's just this. And by the way, most atheists yeah, believe that's that. The they that's from. a yeah. metaphysics worldview, right? Whereas Gabe, and these people are called idealists, would say, no, everything's in the mind. Um, everything that we think we see, touch, feel, hear, well, that's just a mental thing. There's literally nothing physical. Okay, those are two opposite ends, right? And then there's everybody else like, kind of somewhere in the middle, okay? But, okay, so if I asked you guys, what, what's reality? As Christians, or forget being Christians, like how would you answer that question? You would answer it from a worldview that you have. Mm-hmm. You have nothing else to draw from. There's some way that you're seeing the world that makes you think only the physical matters or there's more than physical. And much of that has to do with um, the way you were taught, the way you were brought up, the way that your dad answered the question, what's holding up the globe? Right? Yeah, and, and I think it's so... Uh, okay, so going back to that two, one-ism and two-ism... Right, Peter Jones. Peter, by the way, where, what is he? Is he a professor of, or is he just an not author? anymore? He's yeah. just really he's an old just dude that's guy. written a ton of books. Christian guy. Yep. Yeah. He's taught at seminaries before, and yeah. So okay, so the, the oneism, twoism. That's Peter Jones, um, and he. I think one of the reasons that's important is because if God is in His own sphere, and we're in our, and everything else is in a, in another sphere. Then and God is the source of all of objective truth and is the source of what actually constitutes justice and what constitutes uh, goodness and love and et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Then that means a, apart from revelation from Him, we won't know those things. We're in our own sphere. We will be making it up as you're, we go. Right now, you're talking about epistemology. Yeah. How can we know? How can we know? And Christians have a very distinct answer for how we know things. We need revelation. God reveals it to us. That's right. And apart from that, other, then we we just make up our own worldview and we come up with different little ideas. But the Christian worldview says, no, we didn't come up with this. This was actually revelation. This was from God. Um, the transcendent being made himself imminent so that we could know him. Because we're the creatures, yes, and he's the creator, that two is him, it had to be revealed to us or we couldn't, we couldn't understand. Know it. Right. Yeah. And that is another, so again, you start with the creator-creature distinction and then you say, okay, well, that means that we couldn't 
uh, know those things on our own. We needed revelation, and again, that's the Christian worldview. So, by the way, going yeah. back, really quick, because I just want to keep yeah, the yeah. category straight here. What you just said, creator-creature yeah. di- distinction. That's meta- that's a Christian metaphysic. What is reality? Reality is there's a creator, there's creation. That's our metaphysic. I mean, you can get more detail, but that at the basic level is who's holding up the globe right there. Right? Yeah, that's the those metaphysic. are great distinctions because then the, really the third category when we're going to be talking about examples kind of gets into ethics, which is how should we live and therefore yeah. what how ought we yeah. think about these and, things. And, and ethics is largely and, answered by your epistemology, which right. is how do we know, right. right? So if our metaphysics, so to speak, is creator-creature distinction, okay? Next, epistemology. How do we know what we know? Well, we would say, well... God's, God's revealed himself to us. Not only has God revealed himself to us, but God's also given us as his creatures the ability to figure things out as well. For instance, uh, if you were to ask, um, I'm not going to, I won't get too heady here. If you were to ask some dude um, a, who was a, what might be considered an empiricist, meaning you know what you can see and what you can test, very scientific, right? Okay. So you took a stick, right? And I put the, and you, I, I say, is the stick straight? And you go, yes. And then I stick, I put the stick in the water. What, how, do you know what it looks like when like an oar or a stick goes into the water? It looks bent, doesn't it? Okay. Mm-hmm. If, you're, if you're a pure empiricist, you'd go, well, the stick is now bent. Well, why? Because I see that it's bent. Okay, but then I pull it back out again and it's straight again. Well, now the stick is straight again. If you're just a hardcore empiricist, which no one is that much, you would say, well, the stick was straight, now it was bent, now it's straight again. If you're a rationalist, you would go, well, no, I'm going to use my reason. Something about the light hitting the water made it look bent when it was in. There's no way the stick actually changed when it was in. Okay, now we're into epistemology. How do I know the stick is not bent in the water? Because my reason tells me it didn't bend in there, right? So now we're getting into epistemology. How do I know what's true? But Christians have been given the ability to use empirical devices, our eyes and our ears and our nose and science. I mean, science is a blessing, not a curse, yeah. right? Science is great. It's how, we, it's how we realize how much of a blessing and how amazing this creation is. But also he's given us brains. He's given us uh, rationality. And so all of these ancient philosophers that like were very dogmatic on one side or the other, they're actually, they were both right and both wrong at the same time because God's given us all of that. So ethically then I ought not tell, I ought not sell people uh, say, hey, bring your sticks over here and I'll make them curved by sticking them in the water, right? Yeah, right? <laughs> Ethically, yeah, yeah, that's right. Say that. so, so we yeah. know, so uh, how, do we, how do we know, epistemology, how do we, yeah. how do we know things? Well, God tells us mm-hmm. what's true and what's not true and God gives us the ability in our brains and with our bodies and with his common grace to learn things. Yeah, it's interesting when you look at sort of um, the, the worldview that came of the... Uh, yeah, I don't want to confuse it, so maybe I shouldn't call it a worldview, but the the philosophy, the idea, uh, a sort of naturalism that said, okay, science is really what's trustworthy because there's this is objective, this is fact-based, and everything else. Well, what that did, it seems like, and I, I think Nancy Percy talks about this in, in Total Truth or Finding Truth, I can't remember which one, but what it did is it made it so that uh, spiritual things, right? Because how do you objectively measure? They, they don't, spiritual things are a lot tougher to measure. Yeah, and uh, how, how how big is that spiritual thing? Yeah, exactly. So how much does it weigh? Uh, how, how to how to weigh <laughs> yeah. you know responsibilities and how how to measure that and objectively in the same way expose it to scientific method in the same way that you would other things. And so what that meant is they said, okay, well, truth is what we can do with the scientific method essentially, and everything else falls into the realm of personal belief and and feelings and just kind of gets mm-hmm. subjected to postmodern thinking and relativistic and so on and so forth, right? Mm-hmm. And so Nancy Percy tells a story about 
early on when she and by the way nancy percy if you've never heard of her she's amazing you should look her up both those uh, books i mentioned and then uh love thy body is another one that i've read a little bit of that you've read all of that right so it's really good finding truth total truth um books that she's written excellent and she writes a ton on worldview stuff too so definitely worth listening to her on that but she talks about early on even in apologetics talking with her brother and uh they were talking about the resurrection and she was saying how how uh, he was thinking as a modernist, which is there's true and false, there's right and wrong. And so he said, you know, it really seems like whether or not we embrace the Christian worldview, it really comes down to did Jesus rise from the dead or not, right? And that's really thinking like a modernist. There's true or false. And if it's true, then I should believe it. And if it's false, then I ought not, right? And then Nancy Percy said, I was thinking like a total postmodernist, and uh, relativistic and all this. And I said, well, not really. Why would that matter? Because it could just be a parable. And there, there could be truth to it. That, right? This is before she became a Christian. This is how she was thinking about it. And she said, you know, it could just be a parable that, that people find helpful and gives them meaning in their lives. And therefore, it doesn't really matter. Like, why subject it to that, that modernist, you know, true or false? It could still have meaning. And we do the same thing, mm-hmm. right, with other things, whether it's the resurrection of Jesus or, or other things. When we say, well, um, let their beliefs be their own. Right? The, the reason why Christians should never be okay with kind of having their beliefs relegated to the private realm is because what we're really saying is that we need to think out loud as Christians. We need, we, our, our beliefs are a public faith. Our, our mm-hmm. beliefs affect all of the way in which we live. So it's not possible for us as Christians to kind of be a Christian in our private world and then out in public and in the way that we think about the rest of life uh, shut up. No, it's not, not possible. Not in any sort of consistent way. No, no, because the way what we yeah, believe, people do that, right? They do, <laughs> but, uh, yeah. but we're not meant to do that. Yeah. How we see reality, how we think we know what truth is, then automatically, and you already hinted at this, gets into how we think we should live. Right. And when I say we think, the Christian worldview is not we think. The Christian worldview is how has God told us to live. Right. And what's what's great. And we talk about this at Redeemer a lot. But what's great about the Christian worldview is that God commands things that are consistent with the way he's created us. Mm-hmm. And so it's not like objective. I'm sorry. It is objective. It's not arbitrary. <laughs> yeah. It's not, uh, you know, he's created us to where like it's really good for us to drink water. That's why he created our bodies. Mm-hmm. And yet he says, don't drink water. Like that, it's the opposite of what, but unfortunately a lot of us see God's commands that way, like arbitrary. They're not good for us. God's just kind of angry. Doesn't want us to have fun. Every command he gives us is actually good because it's the way he created it to be. Meaning that back to that metaphysics thing, right? So in the Christian worldview, they all work together perfectly well. And it all starts with the creator creature distinction that right. the one that, the, sorry, the twoism, not the oneism. Um, yeah. So it's, it's incredibly important. So how, how do we know what's right, wrong, good, bad? God reveals that to us as well. And he also gives us the Holy Spirit, which helps us. And he also gives us brains and a conscience, mm-hmm. right? Which is where um, maybe some of the rationalists got some of that right, right? And so uh, it, it's Christian worldview. It's everybody has a worldview. No one, no one is absent of a worldview, but most people don't realize they have a worldview. They think they're just thinking on their own and being objective. And the thing is, is we all have worldviews. Yeah, and you either have a worldview that's revealed by our creator or you've made up your own worldview, mm-hmm. right? That's another mm-hmm. way of kind of talking about the oneism, twoism. So let's let's give some examples mm-hmm. because uh, wh- why it matters worldview. We haven't given a lot of specific examples, but let's just let's give some real life specific examples. Yeah. Um, do you want to start, or you want me to start? Uh, go ahead. Okay. Hottest topic 
hottest topic right now going on. Uh, June 12th, 2020 is the racial unrest going on right now with mm-hmm. uh, the Ahmad Albury, the George Floyd uh, deaths, the protests most peaceful some rioting looting right now in right now in seattle there's a new country that started called Chaz, the capitol hill (laughs) autonomous zone i mean it's just insane right okay so right now uh it's kind of weird to see seattle on the national news right it's like and yet there's no city that's more fitting to have this spotlight on it than seattle Um, minneapolis is like thanks seattle appreciate that yeah that's right so um okay so so all this racial unrest and now this discussion enters the church and it should be discussed in the church. Okay, mm-hmm. what should Christians do about racial injustice? Mm-hmm. The way that you answer this question will be based on your worldview. Mm-hmm. Okay, so um, do you, Gabe? Do you want to take the role here of a of a non Christian worldview, or do you want to take the the world the the perspective of a Christian worldview? Yeah, let me let me uh, throw some like ideas at you. Yeah, go ahead, and and uh, you can answer them from a Christian worldview. Okay. Oh, you want me to answer him as a Christian? Yeah. Okay, gotcha. How's that sound? Yep. Okay. So um, you, Ryan, uh, bear uh, responsibility for the sins of other people. And therefore, you ought to uh, repent of those other people's sins. Yeah. Uh, Biblically speaking, that's not true. Biblically speaking, we're responsible for our sin. Jesus has died for individual sin who trust in him, and I am not responsible for, for the punishment. I don't bear the weight of other people's sin. The only person that that might be true of is Adam, that we bear guilt. We have original sin because of Adam, but that's only because he's the first. He's the head of the human race. It's the only reason that's true. And now uh, sin nature is handed down, but I am not guilty in needing to repent of sins that Gabe commits. I'm not guilty of Gabe's sins. Gabe's not guilty of my sins. And so if Gabe sins against Taryn, I ought not go to Taryn and say, I repent because Gabe sinned against you. That's, that's ridiculous. Yeah. And, and then Christ, right? Christ also. So then you get into that idea of headship, Mm -hmm. right? The reason why Adam was responsible is he was made head over humanity. He was the representative of humanity. First man. Yep. And then Christ is called the new Adam because he is the, the, the new representative for all who are in Christ, right? Yep. He represents us before the yep. Father. But we do not represent each other. But we do not represent each other. Now, what about this? Is there anything to um, Christians taking uh, responsibility and um, working to undo the sins of people before them? Yeah, so um, Christian worldview, mm-hmm. I would say... Um, Christians have the obligation to care about justice Mm -hmm. and a major component, uh, maybe the major component about justice is to try is trying to right wrongs, even physical material, material wrongs. So we cannot, I cannot atone for anybody's sin. I can't even atone for my own sin. But what I could do is if something that has been set up unjustly, I can work and act and fight for that system, if this is a, quote, systemic issue, to be changed so that there's less injustice for those people, specifically here for people of color. Yeah, and, and so there's a difference between saying you are personally responsible for their sin, therefore you must repent of other people's sins, um, and saying, okay, look, um, other people sinned 
and uh, that has created harm. And then part of what I can do as a Christian thinking about justice, which, by the way, needs to have been revealed to us what justice actually is, mm-hmm. right? Because a lot of people, when they talk about justice, they don't mean justice, they mean revenge, mm-hmm. okay? That's yeah. different than a biblical view of justice. So Christians have to be careful that when we are working for justice, we're working for justice in a way that is rooted in the character of Christ, right? Rooted in the character of God, and that we work from that starting place. And so when we're working for justice, that's the kind of justice we're seeking. Yeah. Totally. Right? Yeah, no, that's good. So that's, that's thinking good. like a, a Christian, thinking I'm glad biblically. you said that because you're right. People's view of justice, it, there's a Christian view of justice. Yeah. And there's a non-Christian view of justice, which is just revenge, like you said, uh, getting even. Uh, which never has an end to it, right? I mean... Not the, when you're the, dealing with sinful people. No, the, the revenge movies, when does it stop, right? It's like, okay, let's say they kill person X's, you know, wife. Or they kill their dog, or you know John Wick, you know, I, uh, right, whatever. They they do something like that. Revenge does not just include life for life, right? And that's not justice. The 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 worldview that's operating there is no revenge. Mm-hmm. I will punish everyone and everything that has touched in any way this thing that was done to me. <clears throat> yep. Right? That's revenge. That's not a <clears throat> biblical view of justice. Yep. The biblical view of justice, even related to the death penalty, actually limited the scope of that, mm-hmm. right? It actually limited the eye for an eye, tooth for a tooth. People think of that as like, oh, gosh, that was horrible. But it was actually a way of saying, no, 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 you can't do, you can't have revenge. Mm-hmm. You can't do more than what was done actually against you individually. Yeah. Right. Anyway, okay. Yeah, so really quick on that. Yeah. Uh, so how that's played out in real life regarding race yeah. is these days, last couple of weeks, what we've been seeing is people like on the streets being confronted, uh, specifically white people being confronted by people like in the Black Lives Matter movement or whatever, um, calling people out for being white. Like, what are you going to do? Are you going to repent? Are you going to say you're sorry? Are you know, whatever. Uh, so I'll give you two extremes. They're opposite. They're opposite reactions and yet both equally non-Christian. Reaction number one, to kneel down, to bend down, to bow down to black people, essentially paying homage to them. Um, repenting for sins you yourself have not committed and almost almost a worshipful act where I'm going to kneel down or bow down to other people. Yeah. That that I'm not saying that you're not a Christian if you did that. I'm saying that's not a Christian response. That's not thinking as a Christian, right? No. That's what we're talking about. Christian world. Exactly. Here's the opposite response that's equally not Christian. Telling the person racism doesn't exist. Right. Or me, I could never be racist. That is equally a non Christian worldview. Of course we can all be racist. Why, why is that? We've talked about this, Gabe. Why is that the one sin we couldn't scr- struggle with? Yeah. That, uh, so again, a Christian worldview, right, should have a person saying, um, when I'm accused of being a racist for some particular act, I ought not quickly say, no way, not possible. I ought, I ought really consider that. And we talked about this even in, I think, our other podcast, so I don't want to recover the, whole, the same ground. But, but the Christian worldview says, no, sin is pervasive. There's total depravity. We're sinners by nature and choice from birth. Um, that uh, apart from the Holy Spirit, the inclination of our, of our thoughts are evil all of the time. And so, and that even as Christians, we are actively battling against our old nature. And so we shouldn't think that's the one sin that I just couldn't, there's no way I could be guilty of that. We, we have blind spots. Especially considering the Sermon on the Mount where Jesus shows us that we're far more sinful than we think we are. Even when we don't act things out, we have thoughts, right? The Sermon on the Mount, it takes adultery and, and murder to the heart level. Right. And so when it comes to racism, it doesn't mean you've worn a, a, a KKK outfit, that does, that's not the that's not the standard of racism. Yeah, like, what about I, I your know you thoughts? Don't, I know you don't know the answer to this totally, but 
But uh, like if Jesus were to talk about racism, for example, right, in the way that he talked about adultery, mm-hmm. where he said, because what Jesus is doing in that is he's trying to help everyone see how they are, how this fits them. Yeah. At the heart level. At the heart level, yes. this fits you. So mm-hmm. you're, an, you're an adulterer, and they go, no, I've never slept with my neighbor's wife. What are you talking about? And Jesus goes, okay, but have you ever looked at a woman with lustful intent? Mm-hmm. Oh, right, okay. So Jesus is trying to help everybody see how this sin that's pervasive is not just in their actions, but it's also in their heart, yeah. right? And yeah. and so that that's where it actually originates. Yeah. And so if he were to do that with racism, for example, what do you, what do you think that might look like? I know, <laughs> yeah. Hard one. I mean, this isn't a great example because he'd be probably more specific, but like, <sighs> you say, you know, you say you've never you've never committed racism or something. Yeah. You um, say you never fired a person because of the color yeah. of, their, of their skin or treated them differently because of the color of their skin. Oh, you want to get that specific? I, wasn't gonna yeah. that. <laughs> I was just going to say something like yeah. ever showing partiality yeah. based on someone's ethnicity. Yeah. Um, but if you're talking about like an actual example of that, man. It's, I, I mean, <clears throat> even if we don't have the <clears throat> exact way that he would say that, right? Because we don't have, he didn't, we don't have that in scripture. But I, like, that's how I think Christians should think about it is, is – that if you look at yourself and you go, no, I'm not that. Like, I didn't do that particular action. Think about, okay, where does that start in the heart? Mm-hmm. One of the places I think that starts is thinking that you and your uh, perhaps uh, culture or, or that in some way you are better. It's, there can be a self-righteous kind of a thinking behind racism right? Yeah. A pride, even a hatred of other people, a hatred of difference, you know, those kinds of things. So like, or, or how about this? Yeah. Well, of course he said that mm-hmm. he's black. Yeah. Of course he said that he's white. Yeah. Of course he said that he's, he's Hispanic. Of, of course he, uh, like think statements like that. Like when you, when you attribute a characteristic or even an action of somebody and go, well, yeah, they're whatever, fill in the blank. Yeah. That's a great example of showing partiality or making judgments based on someone's skin color. Yeah. And by the way, that happens on both sides. That happens on the right and the left. It happens uh, on the woke and the unwoke. I mean, that happens going both directions. Well, and so here's what a biblical worldview does. A biblical worldview says, guess what? It's not just uh, white or Hispanic or black or Asian people that are racist. It's that, that sin is uh, the potential for that sin exists in the hearts of all of humankind. Yeah. Right? That's a biblical worldview. So it's when people go like, well, I'm not, okay, we don't have to talk about specific instances and public policy. We don't have to talk about that. But we should be able to universally say all human beings are capable of being racist. Every single human being on the face of the earth. That is a biblical worldview. No matter their color. No matter their color. Meaning meaning Hispanics can be racist against... Uh, black people. Mm-hmm. Uh, black people can be racist against other black people. Yep. Or 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 white people. White people, and this is of course what we're talking about, like right now in our country. White people can be racist towards black people, of course, and that can go for any nationality, um, any ethnicity, race. If we want to use that terminology, I know we talked about that before. Yep. Whether whether there's one race or more than one race, but but honestly, like, so I think we're we're worldview where the where the worldview. Uh, hammer hits the head of I'm messing this up. You know what I mean? Right. Is what's the solution? Right. Right. Is, is the solution to, um, give enough money to this organization is the solution to fight for policies for A, B or C or from a Christian worldview. Isn't the solution repentance? Yeah. And is it faux 
repentance that comes apart from a work of the Holy Spirit, which is, um, I feel bad, please, I, I, I just make my guilt go away in some way. World, you, worldly you sorrow. Absolve, yeah, you yeah. absolve me of my guilt. No, Paul says that there's a worldly sorrow that leads to death, yes. right? That's worldly sorrow that yeah. leads to death. There is no life in that faux no. repentance. No hashtag no no uh either verbal or on social media no no nothing you can say or type is going to fix the problem that that it could be for it might not be virtue signaling meaning you actually could mean it and it'd be a fine thing but that's not actually what fixes the problem repentance is what's going to fix the problem and so from a christian worldview what's the solution to racism well the here and now it's repentance it's loving neighbor as yourself no matter their color and then ultimately, we know Jesus is coming back and he's bringing full justice. Racism is to- totally going away. So we know the ultimate answer is Jesus is the ultimate answer, right? Yeah, and, and that Christians, um, that all comes out of a distinctly Christian worldview. So yeah. he, another thing that's related to all of this is Christians, it, you cannot just think that you're the, a Christian worldview will automatically be adopted to, by you because you um, put your faith in Christ. That doesn't. It doesn't just automatically develop out of thin air. It's like believing you be, you got saved because you got baptized. It's very similar. Yeah. It, so okay. So uh, Romans twelve one through two says, "I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship." Okay. Verse two. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind. So I'm going to stop there. So that that is what we're to be doing as Christians. Is is to have our our minds be transformed rather than conformed. So what that means is that naturally in our flesh that our minds are wanting to be conformed to a uh, the a non-Christian, a non-biblical, a non-revealed. That's what, what the word I was looking for. A non-revealed worldview. Uh, but because of the Holy Spirit, our minds can be conformed, transformed. Um, to a biblical one, to one that was revealed to us by our creator. Mm-hmm. And so it doesn't just come out of thin air. So one of the reasons that we encourage Christians to read or to study or to know their Bibles or all of those different things is so that their minds in these various spheres of life would be conformed not by a worldview that has not been revealed, but by one that has been revealed by our creator. Mm-hmm. That's right. So we're getting close to needing to cut it off, but we only gave yeah. one example. Let's just yeah. do a quick, one more. a quick second example. It might be somewhat tied together, but it's different. Yeah. Just, let's just go in general politics. Yeah. Okay. Um, we thought about maybe doing a sex and gender one. Well, let's just do politics. Uh, okay. So if, if I came, to, I'm a Christian, Gabe, you're a Christian. I came to you and I said, you know what? I'm voting for Donald Trump because this is what's going to change America. This is, you know, this is what's going to get our country to the place it needs to be. What might you think of my worldview if I said something like that? Well, uh, a Christian worldview would say that um, Donald Trump or whoever is in power ultimately cannot fix the hearts of human beings again. And so that they can, that part of the good of government is to be a restraint on evil. And so that... Uh, Christians were called to pray for our leaders. We're called to um, encourage them towards good. We're to encourage them in their God-given roles. Um, a Christian worldview says, I ought not hate whoever that president is because ultimately uh, the Bible says that they are put into that place of authority by God. So a Christian worldview says, no, I'm to respect them. I'm to honor them. I'm to submit to them. I'm to encourage them, whether that be through um, uh, petition or uh 
calls for repentance or voting or whatever, but I'm to encourage them to to function in their God-given role in the way that they're meant to, which is to be a, a um, restraint on evil. Right, that's one of their God-given roles. The way, that's yeah, all thinking as a Christian. Yep. So, are they going to fix everything? No, but they can do their role in a way that corresponds more closely to how God speaks about the role of government. Yeah. Example. So, uh, yeah. So, I think what you're saying is our Christian worldview actually uh, limits and sometimes accelerates what we might say about the political realm. Yeah. So ultimately, if we have the the one or the twoism, I keep saying that wrong. We have the twoism, creator creature, creator creature distinction, and we know that our creator Jesus Christ is on the throne. He's the king. He's the political king, even reigning right now. That changes a little bit about what you think Donald Trump is supposed to be doing, yeah, or what Barack Obama was supposed to be doing, or what the next president is supposed to be doing. It doesn't mean you don't have political opinions. It doesn't mean you shouldn't have a Christian worldview to vote for certain things. Totally. I'm not saying don't be involved. I'm saying be involved. But what you expect of that politician ought to be different if you have a Christian worldview. If you know that that politician cannot bring the utopia to this earth that many think he or she can, that changes the way you talk about politics. Well, and not to get too granular, but it can change the way that you think the government, what the role of government is. You know, so do you think that the role of government is to give rights and give uh, to care for all of the needs and to take care of every aspect of uh, our, our lives? Or do you actually believe that a government has a more limited role and that it's supposed to be doing that and it can be faithful or unfaithful? To yeah, that? Who, who fixes our problems? Right. Is the church responsible? Is it just government responsible? Um, is the gospel a solution to these problems or is yeah. it or repentance or is it simply just more programs, more money? I mean, this is all deals with Christian worldview. So why it matters it touches every area how, of life. How does it not matter? Yeah. I mean, it's everything. Everything you do from the second you walk into the house after work, how you treat your wife, talk to your kids, that all comes from your Christian worldview. And you, you know, really, I mean, we could even, we've been talking about kind of headier things, but you could take this down to the level of art, right? You could actually talk about what does it look like to have a Christian worldview of art, believe it or not, um, that there are kinds of art that would more closely respond to or correspond to what a Christian lines up with a Christian worldview. Believe that or not, we think yeah. of art as kind of a moral, uh, totally just subject, but there's actually kinds of art that illustrate and, and uh, typify the Christian worldview more than other kinds of art. Yeah, like um, when people don't try to depict what Jesus looked like. That's actually good <laughs> Christian worldview art. So, uh, so says J.I. Yeah, Packer. Yeah. So you can you can have thinking as a Christian, having a Christian worldview literally covers every area of our lives. So why it matters is because Christian, it matters because inevitably all of us are prone to thinking like the world. All of us are prone to thinking in a way that is has not been yet transformed by the new mind, the new heart, the new um, uh, nature that we've been given by God. And so we are to continue to grow in our understanding of how we think as Christians in this life so that we know how to more faithfully interact with every sphere that in which we're in. So that's in one way, I mean, that's why Ryan and I are even doing this podcast, right? It's theology, culture, and the Christian life, right? I mean, you mentioned this at the beginning, but I yeah. mean, the reason this podcast is called Every Square Inch exactly. is that Christ is the king over every square inch. That's, that's what that's saying. That's in what that I mean. Is, and in that show, we're talking about Christian worldview in this, in this podcast. So the reason why we feel free to talk about all of these different areas is because we're trying to help you think about or think as a Christian about all of the various spheres in which you live.
Yep. Amen. Yeah. Important topic. Why it matters. Worldview. Uh, I think it's time for the more, you know, yes, sir. All right. Well, it's fitting that we ended that conversation talking about art because oh, my, my okay. question for today is kind of a tough one because I know both of you have some, some people that you listen to a lot, but okay. what's your favorite or, you know, it could be, yeah. Just what's your favorite musical artist or band? <laughs> That's all so hard. Time. I was gonna, I was gonna maybe constrain that and be like of the last ten years or what, but DC yeah, talk. of all time, of all time. <laughs> Mute his mic, please, before he says anything else. <laughs> Ron Canoli. Oh, okay, you okay. would say Ron Canoli. <laughs> I knew that was coming. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> if you don't know who Ron Canoli is, you're, you're, not, you're no, good. You're missing out. Good. You're missing don't, out. Don't look. You're missing out. Don't There's at least out. two songs that are good. <laughs> uh, favorite artist. And we're talking music. We're not talking. Painter. We're talking music. Yeah, music yeah. of all time. Of all time. Yeah, you got to go first on this one. Any genre, any time period. Oh, man, it's so hard. I know. That is Because brutal. I generally put contemporary and non-contemporary into, in my definition of those things differently. Like, for instance, if I'm going like Led Zeppelin, okay, which, who I, I grew up loving Led Zeppelin, I think of that as a different category than like the last like 30 years. However, I will say, and I will stand firm on this, my favorite musical band of all time. Adele, right? Radiohead. <laughs> Radiohead. I, I knew that was Radiohead is my favorite. That doesn't shock me. And they do not have a Christian worldview either. They don't. No. Man. Can I guess yours, Gabe? I I don't I think I there's no way you're gonna guess mine. I, I think I have I mean there's so I love music, so it's really this is a really tough one for me. But go ahead, guess. I'm curious. Ice Cube? <laughs> By the way, Gabe <laughs> loves rap music. So you, if like you think I'm music. just trying to be funny, he yeah, loves like rap. rap music. I like, I'm more of a Dr. Dre fan. But, okay, okay. Uh, dude, this is going to maybe surprise you a little bit, but oh, I no. think he's one of my favorites. Singular artist. Dude, I love, like, okay, so like, I love Motown music. I love Johnny Cash. I love I know Cure. Who you I love, okay, no, you know, my person. Who do you think? Who is it? Billy Joel. I knew Yep. Oh, you knew that. You yeah. That yep. was coming. Yep. Okay. No, I, I wasn't thinking Billy Joe. I love Billy Joel. <laughs> I like I Billy Joel's great. <laughs> so yeah, I think I took piano for like five years. And so I would watch Billy Joel and just be like, man, that guy's amazing. How does he do that? You he know? has an unbelievable amount of hits. Yeah. Like I didn't grow up it's crazy. listening to Billy Joel and I had yeah. this like renaissance of Billy Joel. And yeah. I discovered that I knew all these songs that I had, had no idea were his. I know. <laughs> He's amazing. He is absolutely amazing. Yeah. Genre, yeah, yeah. Genre, genre is uh, like if we had to pick, maybe this is a different one that we do a different time. Favorite music genre of all time, meaning like '90s R&B, because that would be really high on my. Because I also love Chris Stapleton. Like he's one of my favorites. Huh. Do you know? Do you know him very? I well? know who he is, but, but I, like that yeah. kind of like huh. swamp rock, or he also goes more like uh, like Steel, has a band called Steel Drivers or something that's a little bit more. Anyway, yeah. So if we were using it. our Christian worldview here. <laughs> yeah. Who would our favorite band of all time be? DC Talk Ron again? Canoli, dude. What are you talking about? <laughs> That's clear. Oh, no. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. Well, right. thank you. Thanks for uh, listening. Thank you for listening to Every Square Inch. If you'd like to find out more about Ryan, Gabe, or the podcast, just go to everysquareinchpodcast.com or find us on Facebook and Twitter. We hope you'll join us next time, and God bless. God bless.